We're in this series called The Sacrifice Code, and um, uh, Pastor Sam challenged us that we should not offer unauthorized sacrifices like Saul. Then he said that Jonathan was a son with a prodigal father, and he had to sacrifice the kingship in order for David to be king. Sometimes you have to sacrifice what may be rightfully yours in order for the kingdom of God to prosper. Last week we, we learned that God is not going to accept sacrifice if you got a problem with somebody that you're not willing to solve. So we said, leave it at the altar and go make it right. So I hope in the course of this week, you are leaving some things at the altar and you made some things right. And I hope that today you're going to be able to do that. Please stand and meet me at Mark chapter 2 and verse number 1. Mark chapter 2 and verse number 1. When you got it, stand with me and let us read together. You know, you know me. You know when it's time to read the word, I like to stand. So please stand with me wherever you are. As we read Mark chapter 1, chapter 2, verse number 1. Mm. And when you got it, say amen. <clears throat> mm, your amens are mm, troubled today. <laughs> amen, amen, somebody? <clears throat> yeah, that's right, that's right. Uh, we're going to ride an old horse for a new experience this morning. We know this story. It says, and when he, Jesus, returned to Carpenham, after some days, it was reported, Brother Adriel, that he was at home. In other words, the Ruma Aja. Verse 2 says, and many were gathered together where Jesus was, so that there was no room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. Sometimes you need to be carried. Verse 4, and when they could not him, because of the crowd, they removed their roof above him. Now, right here, I just want you to pause real quick. These guys wanted the miracle so bad that they were willing to destroy somebody else's house. Says they removed the roof above him, and when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. How bad do you really want it? And when Jesus saw their faith, Elder Donald, he said to the paralytic, Son, son, and that includes daughters, your sins are forgiven. The greatest statement you can ever hear. Now, some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts. Why does this man speak like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus question within themselves, said to them, why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier? To say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed, and walk. But that you may know, but that you may know, 
that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, Dickie, rise up, pick up your bed, and go home. Not yet, not yet. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all. So that they were all amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this. Today I want to use a title you already know. What a friend we have in Jesus. Let us pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Speak to us now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> a lot of websites and organizations will have a section titled About Us. Ain't that right, Dr. Mike? An About Us section tells you why the company exists, tells you what they do, when they started. Now, if I was to ask you, what is Mark chapter 2 about, what would you say? So let me give you three options, Brother Jimmy. And I want you to look at these three options, and I want you to choose what you think Mark chapter 2 is about. The first option is, Mark chapter 2 is about the importance of friends who do all that they can to bring their friend to Jesus. Number two, Mark chapter 2 is about the importance of going through all obstacles to get to Jesus. Number three, the importance of an action-filled faith by four friends for their friend. How many chose option one? You can raise your hand. I'm not going to kill you. I promise. You're not going to die today. <laughs> In fact, I'm not going to inject you. <laughs> How many think the story is about four friends who do all that they can to bring their friend to Jesus? You can raise your hand. Anybody? Okay, it's cool. How many of you think that this story is about going through all the obstacles to get to Jesus? How many? I mean, nobody today? Okay, option two don't work for you neither. <laughs> How many of you think that this story is about an action-filled faith by four friends for their friend? Okay, I got two hands. All right, at least two hands. The rest of you haven't read this story, right? <laughs> so you don't know what this story is about. The options I'm giving you are angles that people take to look at this story. Me and Pastor Sam, a lot of times we discuss angles to take on sermons we're going to preach. So he often asks me, Pastor, what is your angle on John chapter 2? How would you attack it? I would also ask him, Pastor, how would you attack this particular passage? In fact, on Thursday, I called him. I said, hey, I'm dealing with Mark chapter 2 this week. Can you tell me what your angle is on the passage? And this is what he said. You know, in 2013, when I just came to Indonesia, I preached a sermon on this passage called Now or Never. And in the sermon, I was saying to JCC in those times, 
I was saying to them that sometimes you're the only person who can do something about the situation. And unless you take the advantage, you'll never be able to help the person who needs help. Hence, it's now or never. So beyond Pastor Sam, I looked online and I came across a sermon by Pastor Stephen Furtick. Maybe some of you know him. He, he preached a sermon on this text called Another Door. And what he was saying in the sermon was this, that sometimes your greatest opportunities will come to you in ways that are not so obvious. Because of these people, these four friends took their friend to Jesus they were expecting Jesus to heal this man, but Jesus ended up forgiving him. And therefore, he said, sometimes your greatest blessings are not so obvious, but when you take the opportunity, you get them. Today, I want to try another angle. Today, I want to try something different on this particular passage. I hope that when you listen to this, you may see what this story is really, really about. So let, 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 let's go. Let's get to work a little bit. We have four friends. How many? Four friends, they carry their friend who is paralyzed. These four brothers, they do not live in Jakarta Selatan or Jakarta Timur or Jakarta Utara. They live in, in Galilee Utara in a place called Carpenum on the northern coast of the Sea of Galilee. They get the word, Theo, that Jesus has come back to Carpenum. And it's buzzing in Carpenum because everybody wants to get a piece of Jesus. You, you, you know, Jesus has been healing the sick. Jesus has been making the lame walk. Those who have been paralyzed can, can jump and start to run again because of the encounter with Jesus. These four brothers recognize that their friend is helpless. And so they decide to do something about the situation. Because they understand. That when you live in a community, you cannot allow your friend to suffer. You cannot allow your brother to suffer and you not do nothing about it. Because what your friend suffers, you suffer. The struggle of your friend is your struggle. So they see their friend suffering. And I wonder, my brother and my sister, when you see somebody in the faith, unable to pray, what do you do about that? I wonder when you see your brother not able to make ends meet, what do you do about that? I wonder when you're struggling about the situation that your friend has told you that they cannot stay faithful to their wife, what do you do about that? But many of us, you know what we do? <laughs> We, we, we selfie that thing. <laughs> I, I'm here. We, we, we take pictures and we allow the situation to go by and we don't do anything about it. But I'm glad that we have four friends who care about their friend and they say, you know what? Today Jesus is around. Today there is help. All we got to do is to carry him and bring him to Jesus. Hey, Pastor, they're not feeling me yet because I've been saying amen, so I'm going to continue working this morning. Jesus has come back to Carpenum, 
Because Carpenham was HQ, Sister Lara. HQ for his ministry, HQ for healing the sick, HQ for doing what he had to do, HQ for picking his disciples. In fact, the Bible says Jesus called Carpenham his city. I'm not Indonesian, but Jakarta is my city. Amen, somebody? Oh, yeah, it's my city. I ride Gojex in my city. <laughs> I get on grab bike in my city. <laughs> I go to the mall in my city. I, I preach in my city. I run in my city. Are you feeling what I'm saying? Many of you, Jakarta is your city. It is your home. It is where you're making money. It is where you're building your family. Carpenham was Jesus' city. He was at home. And people say, wait a minute, Jesus is here. Let's go do something in our city. We don't need to go outside to Maidan or Lombok or Raja Ampat. We can get help in our city. Because Jesus is around. And wherever Jesus is, there you can find help. And the last time that I checked, Jesus is in JCC. <laughs> the last time that I checked, Jesus is speaking to you right now. And if you want help, if you need assistance, if you need somebody to help you out, this is the place. Amen, somebody. And I'm glad that I have people who are rolling with me, work with me every Sabbath because they're interested not to look good, but because they want to help somebody. Amen? So when you see them walking around, tell them, thank you for helping me out. Thank you that you brought the music today. Thank you that you preached the word today. Thank you that you held the camera today. Thank you that you collect the offering today. Amen, somebody? So these four friends, they know that Jesus can help. And they go where Jesus is because they want to they wanna get help. But when they get there, Elder Rivo, they find that they cannot get in. <laughs> There's no room to get in. Tiramasuk. You know, I'm going to pick on you guys a little bit, but, man, we got to learn to give room in Indonesia, y'all. Can I just be straight about that? You can see an ambulance on the street. Nobody's moving. People, people die in ambulances because nobody wants to move. You want to get in, a, in the elevator? People are getting in. I'm like, can I go out, please? You're on the street, you're trying to get in, but nobody's giving you room. These brothers, they come to the house, and they cannot get in. There is no room. They're carrying a paralyzed person, but nobody's interested in making room because somehow their place, somehow their position is more important than the person who is in pain. I don't know who this is for, but some of us, we are so... We are so Focus on our position. We're so focused on our place that we're not willing to help those who are in pain. We're not willing to make room for those who are struggling. 
And, and we'll see them pass us by. We'll see them go by because we don't want to waste time. Because we don't want to look dirty. Because we don't want to give of ourselves. And right here, this brother is in a situation that he's in pain, but nobody makes room for him. Perhaps that is your story today. You have worked hard. You have applied for the job. You've been, you've been hired, but there's no room for you to get promoted. All they tell you is, you got to wait your turn. All they tell you is, you need a little bit more gray hairs on your head. Some of you, you have already grown up. But your parents are not willing to give you room to make decisions for yourself. Perhaps that is your story today. Is that you don't have room Though you have the qualification, though you have the certification, though you have the degrees, but there's no room. Somehow you're not given room because of how you look. Somehow you're not given room because of your skin color. Sometimes you're not given, given room because of how curly your hair is. These brothers, they get there and there is no room for them to get in. The paralyzed man. The man in pain can and not get in because nobody wants to make room. Nobody's willing to be humble enough to say, you know what? It's okay, you can go. And this is a situation that they find, the four men. And they, and they come Bringing somebody in pain, but they cannot find room. It's in this passage that Mark unlocks for us what I believe the story is about. It's in this passage that I want to give you a different angle today, Sister Nina. Notice what the text says. They came... Bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. You see, right here is where Mark does something that I want you to pay attention to. I'm, I'm now teaching. I'm not preaching anymore, Brother Adria. I'm, I'm teaching now. Watch this. You see, when you, when you read in English, all you know is that these brothers are carrying a man who is paralyzed and they bring him to Jesus. And you pass that by and you're like, hey, four men who love their friend and they're, they're bringing him to Jesus. But for Mark, when you look at it in the original language, Mark is screaming right here. He's saying, Pakiran Disini, spark right here. Don't, don't run. Stop your feet. Like you got to pay attention to what I'm giving you right here. Because what Mark does is amazing and remarkable because Mark talks about an action by using two verbs. He uses a, a main verb called they came. And then he uses a participle that they are bringing to him a paralytic. Mark is saying, don't run here. Stop. So I want us to stop. I'm going to stop too. When people come to events, let's say you invite them for potluck. Ladies, JCC ladies. You'll be interested in what they're bringing to the potluck. They come, but they must bring 
Something. <laughs> you feel me? If you hire somebody for a job, Pastor Sam, <laughs> it's not that they come to work. It's they're coming to work because they're going to bring their expertise. They're going to come because they're going to contribute to their company. You feel what I'm saying? So, so sometimes we don't want people to come without bringing anything. Because what, how they come and what they bring makes all the difference. Are you with me? And this is what Mark is saying. Pay attention to how they came because they come bringing a paralyzed man. They come bringing somebody in pain. They come bringing somebody who cannot help themselves. They come bringing somebody who does not know where to go to to find help. But they come because it is so important for them to bring this man. That's the only amen, but that's okay. I'm going to be humble and accept the only one. <laughs> you see, it's so important. <clears throat> it's so important what they're bringing. Because the text says, when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they laid down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And they're saying, look, look, Mark is telling us, look, what they're bringing is so important that they're willing to destroy the house of Jesus to bring this man to Jesus. For me, it tells me that this was somebody important. This was a situation that was important. And Mark says, stop right here. Think about this. And here it is. In Greek, bringing and not getting near Jesus is the same Greek verb. In Greek, prospero. Now some of you are thinking, oh, prosperity. No, no, no. <laughs> You're thinking, I'm going to get rich right now. <laughs> Yeah. No, no, just not talking about prosperity. He's not talking about your 401k. He's not talking about your life savings. He's not talking about your promotion. He's not talking about your, 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 your weight or, or slimming. No, Jesus has something else in mind because the first time we come across prospero is in Mark chapter 1, verse 44. And this is what it says. Jesus heals a leper. And after healing the leper, Jesus says to the man that he has healed, he says to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer prospero for your cleansing what Moses commands for your proof to them. Here's my angle. In the time of Jesus, the pastor was also a doctor. In other words, when somebody was sick, and they realize I'm, I'm better. They would go to the priest and show themselves. And once they go to the priest and show themselves, the priest would say, you are cleansed and you are healed. Offer your sacrifice because you are healed. You could only go to the priest, <laughs> Sister Cardiga, if you were already well. <laughs> you could not go to the priest if you're already, if you're sick. These four brothers realize, 
our friend is sick, we cannot go to the priest because the priest cannot help us. But we can take our sick friend to Jesus. We don't need to bring an offering because Jesus is going to accept our friend in his particular condition. So what they see in Jesus is a new priest. What they see in Jesus is a new sacrifice code. It doesn't require to get well. It doesn't require to be perfect. You can go as imperfect as you are, as unpolished as you are, but Jesus will still receive you and help you and cleanse you. This is why they brought their friend. Because Jesus was the only one who could help him. The only place they could find assistance. The only place they found a different sacrifice code. You don't got to be right. First, you can be messed up. You can be, you can be an addict. You can be a thief. He says, come. And so, what they are finding in Jesus is a new friend. And they're saying, what a friend we have in Jesus. We can't go anywhere else. We can't find help anywhere else. But what a friend we have in Jesus. What a friend we have in this man. And I don't know who this is for. But I came to tell you today that that is true today. That you have a friend in Jesus. Amen somebody? I don't know where you are. I don't know how it is. I don't know how messed up it is. But Jesus says, come. As messed up as you are. Come to me. I will help you. I will take care of you. Sometimes I have to wonder if my friends are still my friend. Haven't you wondered? They don't reply to your texts the same way they used to before. Uh-huh. When you send a message, they just see it. They don't reply. But when you are in high school, <laughs> Brother Nick, you used to go out and eat at, uh, what's this place? I forgot, but you know where you used to eat. <laughs> but now, <laughs> now they don't want to go out with you no more. But Jesus is a friend. You never have to wonder how he feels about you. Sister Laura is the only one who got it. <laughs> So I'm going to replay and preach to her. Jesus is a friend that you never have to wonder how he feels about you. When you are moody, Jesus still is in the mood for you. Ladies. When you're in pain, Jesus still wants to prosper you. I have friends who have visited Indonesia, have, have, have played around and enjoyed but did not make an effort to see me. And after they left, they said I was in Indo. <laughs> Jesus don't do like that. He says, hey, where do you live? Jakarta. I'm coming to Jakarta. After I see you, <laughs> I'm going to go to Bali. 
That's the kind of friend Jesus has. Jesus is. And today you may feel alone. Your family may not have your back. Your boss may want to let you go. You may feel like the friends from high school don't want to hang with you no more. That's okay because Jesus is still your friend today. Amen, somebody? And I came to tell you today that in this new sacrifice code, you can come to Jesus as you are. And this is a beautiful thing about your friend. This is a beautiful thing about your friend, Carlo. This is Jesus talking about your friendship of you. He says, greater love has no one done this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. Jesus died because of your friendship with him. He, he didn't die for a stranger, says Avari. He died for a friend. And to me, on the days when I don't feel like I want to pray, on the days when I don't feel like I want to talk about it, on the days when I just feel like I want to be me, I don't care about nobody, I want to say whatever, on that day, Jesus reminds me, you are still mine. I still care for you. I still love you. Because some of us, we are down today. Some of us, we are down because the money ain't flowing. Some of us, we are down today because the relationship ain't working out. Trouble is at home. Some of us are down today because the likes and the comments on Facebook are down. Some of us are down today because we are not popping and living as we should. But I came to tell you that Jesus still died for you. That Jesus still loves you. And it doesn't matter how you feel. He cares about you. And you can come. And the reason I'm saying this is because too many of us have an emotional faith. It's how we feel that determines whether we pray. It's how we feel that determines whether we're going to go to church or not. It's how we feel that determines whether we're going to come on time or not. It's how we feel... Uh, that depends whether we're going to love or not. But I'm glad that Jesus doesn't love me because of how I feel. I'm glad that Jesus loves me in spite of how I feel. And, and more and more, I'm starting to learn that I don't have to lean upon my feelings to still love God. I don't have to lean upon my feelings to still preach and teach. I can be sick, I can be stressed, <laughs> but I'm still going to serve God because my God doesn't love me because of how I love him. He loves me consistently. He loves me persistently. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Some of us, we're not persistent enough in our love. If he does not text me today, <laughs> if he doesn't text me today, I'm not going to talk to him the whole day. <laughs> Oh, if they, if, 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 they, if they just, I'm a, no, no, no. Jesus persists even when you don't call. Jesus persists even when you don't feel like it. And this is the, 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 the thing that, that I'm trying to help you to understand, that Jesus died and he cared for you. And there are a few things I just want to drop on you as I wrap this thing up. As we're reflecting on a new sacrifice code that Jesus established, uh, this is what I want to drop on you. You can sacrifice whatever paralyzes you. A paralyzed man came to Jesus. And I know 
that some of you are paralyzed. Some of you are paralyzed because you doubt if God loves you the same way after you did what you know wasn't right. So even though you pray, you don't really believe that God has forgiven you because you're paralyzed by the doubt of his love based upon what you did wrong. Some of you are paralyzed today because it is a status quo in your life. You said, I will change, but there's no change. People said to you, I will change, but there's no change. So you don't know what to do because there's no change. Some of you are paralyzed today because there are problems at home. You try the counseling, it don't work. You try prayer, it ain't working. So you don't know what to do. Perhaps I didn't mention your particular issue, but I know there is a paralysis in your life. I know I'm paralyzed in some ways. I'm not as tall, so I cannot jump as high. So I'm paralyzed by my, my height. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh-huh. We all have a paralysis. There's, there's an issue. But what this story tells me is that I can bring to Jesus whatever paralyzes me. I don't have to remain paralyzed. I don't have to remain powerless. Jesus has a power for me because it is not Jesus' desire that you remain paralyzed. He wants to empower you. He wants marriages that are flourishing. He wants careers that are booming. He wants health that is on high. He wants people that are happy. Amen, somebody? But many of us, how are you? Hey, pastor. You know what I went through this week? Hey, pastor, do you know what's happening with my health? Hey, pastor, I'm struggling with somebody at work. Paralyzed. And Jesus is saying, why are you holding on to it? Why are you laying down with it? You can come to me. Come as you are. Sacrifice it. Isn't it time, brother and sister, that you sacrifice the paralysis? Isn't it time to say, you know what, God? I want to experience your power and your grace. Isn't it time? I don't know about you, but for me, it is time. It is time. It is time. Here's the second thing. You don't have to sacrifice your paralysis by yourself. Other people can help you sacrifice what paralyzes you. See, what I love about Elder Donald, what I love about the paralyzed man is that he wasn't paralyzed in his brain. <laughs> you know, there's a difference between paralyzed in the body and in the brain. When you're paralyzed in the body, it means that you cannot move your limbs. Are you feeling what I'm saying? But when you're paralyzed in the brain, it means you cannot think. This man is paralyzed in his body, but his brain still works. He understands the value of people around him. They come, brother, we need to help you. He says, yes, please help me. His head can still move. You see, that's a beautiful thing. You may not be able to help yourself. You may not be able to do something for yourself. <laughs> you see what my brother just did right there? He can see I'm paralyzed by sweat. <laughs> so he said, pastor, you can't help yourself. Dennis, thank you. God bless you. So he brought me towels. Are you understand what I'm saying? 
So, so that's what you and I need to appreciate about people around us. Because some of us are too independent that we're unhelpable. I got it. Don't help. I'm the father of this family. Who are you to tell me what to do? I brought you into this world. But mommy, if you can only start to wear your shoes and go out, it will help you. Hey, 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 hey. Some of us are too independent. So we won't come to the pastor because, quote unquote, our problems are ours. We won't talk to anybody in the church because we don't want our business on the street. But I came to let you know that this paralyzed man only got help because he allowed his friends to carry him. And I believe that for some of us, help is going to come when we are willing to say, you know what? Please carry me. I am too heavy. I am too weak to help myself. Please help me out. There is a reason why God created community. There's a reason why God said it is not good for man to be alone. Because God understood that two is better than one. God understood that sometimes you need a friend to say, I got your back. Sometimes you need somebody to say, let's go to the doctor. Let's go to the pastor. Let's go to the psychologist. Sometimes they need to drive you there. Commercial break, Pastor Sam. Commercial break. This man has counseled many married people. So you would think that he doesn't need counseling when he wants to get married. Are you feeling what I'm saying? I mean, if you've counseled everybody, uh, Brother Jeff, you don't need someone to counsel you. But Pastor Sam, before he waited, his wife went to a pastor to be counseled. Because even though he knew about marriage, even though he knew people got married, but he understood that if I do not get help, I might be in a paralyzed situation. So therefore, I'm not going to be too pastoral. I'm not going to be too, too, too high up there that I'm not going to ask for help. Are you understand what I'm saying? And so, brother and sister, all of us need help. And the only way that you are going to find help is when you say, I can't help myself. I'm paralyzed. Here's the third thing. Here's the third thing. You must bring your paralysis by faith. And notice what the text says. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Notice the text doesn't say when Jesus saw their intention. Some of us are good at intentions. Oh, I'll come. Don't come. This week, I'm going to exercise every day. Don't happen. I'm going to start reading the Bible every week. Every night I'm going to pray. Never happens. This brother says, you know what? 
bring me there. We don't have room. Let's climb on the roof. We got to destroy the house. Let's do it. And when Jesus sees them, he doesn't say, why did you destroy my house? You know how much I pay for this? No. Jesus says, I can see your faith. Jesus says, what you've been doing about this, elderly one? Jesus says, I know you've been putting effort. And therefore, because you've put the effort, I'm going to do something about your effort. The only way the paralysis is going to go is when you say, you know what? Today, I'm going to take a step. Today, I'm going to do something about it. If you're feeling the need to go to the bathroom, you have to get up and go to the bathroom. Are you feeling what I'm saying? You, as long as you stay in your seat, the feeling to go to the bathroom ain't going to go away. Are you feeling what I'm saying? And so for somebody today, you need to make a decision that I'm going to go see the pastor. I'm going to go see my mom. I'm going to go see the doctor. I'm going to go see the psychologist. I'm going to go see the, 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 the counselor, whoever. I'm going to go see them. Because healing comes not in intention, but in action. Faith is not theoretical. Faith is practical. Every time Mark mentions faith, he never says, oh, they prayed about it. Mm -mm. Some of us are praying about it and hoping, praying and hope. Yeah? Trusting, leaning on the promises. <laughs> Claiming the promises. You can claim the promises left and right. But until you practice the promise, it ain't going to be fulfilled. And too many of us are good at claiming the promise without putting it into practice. I got tired the other day. In my place, water has been leaking from my, my tap. <laughs> you guys have that problem? <laughs> when, when, when you, <laughs> you just hear a little drop every time in your sink. Ding, 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 ding. You guys, you guys, anybody struggling? <laughs> I'm struggling with that, leaking. So I got tired, man. I say, I've tried to close the, the tap. It, it ain't going away. So <laughs> let me call the repairman to come. The repairman came. He fixed my situation. But had I remained looking at the leak, the leak was not going to go away. And somebody today is looking at the leak, just letting it drip, not talking, ding, 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 arguing, ding, 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 not praying, ding, ding, ding. When are you going to go see the repairman? And you're going to see the repairman, so <laughs> Barry is taking a step of faith. And I'm glad that this man took a step of faith because he understood that sometimes faith requires action that transcends obstacles, limitation, and social boundaries. He could have said, oh, there's a crowd here. So let me go back. Man, this sweat is really coming out. <clears throat> he could have said, there's a crowd. So let me wait until it's over. <laughs> he could have said, but he said, no, <laughs> it's time to do something about this. Let's break it in. 
Let's break it in. And you see, the very areas you're refusing to act in, they're keeping you in paralysis. That only action will help. Today's the day. Not tomorrow. Not next week. Today. The last thing, and I'm done, I'm done. You see, when you sacrifice a paralysis, you become whole. A lot of times when I want to eat oranges, I have to cut them. Can I, I cannot eat it whole. You understand what I'm saying? I need to cut it. It's, it's, it's better to eat an orange or a download when it is half. You feel what I'm saying? But that's how many of us are living. We're half motivated. We're half inspired. Our savings are half. We, we're, not, we're not living whole. We're not living completely. But when this man decided to get healing... The Bible says, notice, notice what the Bible says to the man. Jesus speaking to the man. He says, son, your sins are forgiven. He went to Jesus for his paralysis. But Jesus says, your paralysis is not the problem. It is sin in your life. You like something that is much, much greater, much, much higher. So let me give you what you are lacking. And so some of us will go to Jesus and say, fix my marriage. But Jesus will not fix your marriage. He will fix you because he understands that it is you who needs to be fixed. Jesus fixed my health. Yes, he's no, it's not your health that's a problem. But you cannot control your, 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 your appetite. So let me fix your appetites. So when you go to Jesus... He always deals with the issue that is causing what you're seeing on the outside. Because Jesus is not interested in surface issues. Jesus wants to go deep. Many of the things that we are struggling with are not really the struggle. There is something underneath that Jesus needs to excavate to make you whole. It's not the lack of promotion that Jesus wants to fix in you. It's not your cash flow that Jesus wants to fix. This man went for physical healing. But Jesus knew he needed spiritual healing. And it's not going to change. Whatever it is. Until Jesus makes you whole. So. The beautiful thing about. The sacrifice code. Is that. Jesus is saying. Bring whatever it is to me. Bring it. Lay it right here. Let me take care of it. Let me deal with it. Let's resolve it today. Brother and sister, you have a friend in Jesus who wants you just as you are. And he's saying to you today, through me, bring it. Let's sacrifice it. He's not going to judge you. He's not going to criticize you. He's not going to say you're stupid. 
he will say, son, daughter, be of good cheer. You are forgiven. You are healed. You are whole. Is there anybody today who is saying, Pastor, I want to be whole. Because I want to connect to my friend in Jesus. Anybody? Every head is bowed, every, eyes, every set of eyes is closed as we pray. Father God, thank you. Because we have a friend in Jesus. And thank you that we can bring whatever we have to him. Lord, under the sound of my voice, your daughters and sons are paralyzed because of so many issues going on in their lives. But Father, today they are saying, we're going to sacrifice it. We're going to bring it. We are tired of being paralyzed. We want to be whole. Father, please make them whole. Make us whole. And thank you for our friend in Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Yeah, yeah, I know that that word did something to you and you want to respond. And I want to give you the opportunity to respond. The number is on the screen. Reach out to us. To us. We want to pray with you. We want to counsel you. We want to study with you. And perhaps today you're saying you want to give your life over to Jesus. That is the best decision you can ever make. And you can make that too. We are here to serve your needs. We're here to take care of you. And we'd be more than glad to help you transition to the level of faith you need to live. If the Lord has inspired you to partner with, with us in ministry, please do the same as well. The account number is on the screen. And please give us uh, any love gift in any amount that God has inspired you to give. And I, I bet and I believe that it is going to take us to the next level of proclaiming the love of Jesus. May God bless you. And I'm going to see you very soon. Take care.